Welcome to the Dynasty Dads Podcast. Football rankings, debates, dad stuff with your host, Matt Renshaw. And welcome back to this episode of the Dynasty Dad Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Renshaw. With me again is Garrett Grev. And today we have a special guest, Mr. Heath Cummings Sr., senior writer for CBS Sports, analyst on Fantasy Football Today. Heath, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. Looking forward to it. Garrett, how how has life been with the boys? Oh my gosh, it's been busy. Um, we just started flag football this last week, so that was an adventure. Heath, hopefully one day um, you'll be scouting out you know prospects and talking about where you think <laughs> one Christian Grev will go. Uh, he he showed out this past Saturday, even in the rain, so that was a proud dad moment. But otherwise, life's been good, man. Um, getting hyped for the draft. I'm actually going down to the draft party at U.S. Bank Stadium nice. uh, tomorrow night in Minneapolis. So that'll be great. I get a night talking with uh, Heath Cummings about fantasy football and the draft and then going to watch the draft with a bunch of crazy purple and gold fans. I'm excited for this week, man. It's been great. So Heath, we, we start every show with some sort of family story, you know, just an update on the kids, Dynasty Dads. Um, where, what stage of dadism are you in right now? Kind of all of them. Um, because I've got a, uh, my two oldest are 22 and 20. Okay. My 22 year old daughter has a four year old and they live with us. Nice. And okay. so I'm kind of grandpa and dad to that one. And then I have, my youngest is a 12 year old and we're right in the middle of, um, me coaching competitive basketball, which I've done since my 20 year old was in like second grade. So, um, that's Bro, kind of been a point. constant. Yeah. It, you know, we've, we've started to reach the point I was talking cause I coached two teams, the sixth grade team and a seventh grade team and the seventh graders I've had since they were in third grade and they're really, I've, I'm starting to see it this year. They're just about the point where they need a new voice. Um, because Is they've it? heard mine so much and I'm starting to get the eye rolls and the through one ear and out the other. Now the sixth graders, this is their first year with me. And they think I am basketball Jesus. So um, <laughs> it's anything all I say, they will run through a brick wall for me right now. The seventh graders are a little bit more like, yeah, we've, we've heard that before. Is it, is it boys or girls? <laughs> uh, it's all boys. I did coach my daughter in basketball in second or third grade and quickly realized that, you know, I have some talents and that is not one of them. I, I, so I, yeah. I taught in middle school and I taught or I coached seventh grade boys basketball. Uh-huh. And there was an opening on the girls staff and I was like, oh, you know, I'll try it for a year. My uh, fiance at the time was a coach. So I was just an assistant and I learned quickly that girls sports is not for me. Yeah. Not, not at all. It's, and it's different. Like the thing was my daughter was not, she, she has talents that the boys can't uh, touch, but Comp- being competitive in sports was not one of her things. Sure. <laughs> and so I'm, God bless the people who are really good at coaching rec sports. That's what I'm bad at. Um, I, I, my, my son, the reason we started playing competitive in second grade is because we did one year of rec basketball before that. And I almost went insane. <laughs> it's tough. You know, yeah. for me, when, when my boys, so my oldest is nine, when they started getting into sports, um, it was painful for me to watch. Like, it's like, you forget, you forget. And, and to be quite honest, when I was growing up, we didn't have organized basketball, which is what right. the boys started out with near to that level in kindergarten or first grade. 
So to go and watch these kindergartners and first graders try to play organized basketball was right. like the most horrific pain. I'm like, I can't talk to my wife. I'm like, I don't think I can even watch this, let alone that, like assist when the other coach can't be there. That is the great thing about soccer, I think, because like Very three true. and four and five-year-olds can play soccer and learn some things about sports when they really can't play other sports and it's it's just maddening soccer you can just kind of laugh at it and we're all going to run right. around and kick the ball and and eventually figure something out that's that's one of my favorite things about soccer yeah and finally this year basketball was something that like the for the third graders now my oldest is in third grade it started to come together to resemble something a lot more like basketball uh, so you know we were running some yeah. plays you know, we, we started to figure out what some of the kids were good at, where their strengths were, who needs to be underneath the board. Like, who's the guy that's not afraid to get up and get rebounds. And then like, all right, you're clearly, you know, you're, you're playing, you're playing point guard, this kid, cause he can really move the ball. And that's fun. When you watch this kind of same group develop over the years, that's, it gets, that's when it gets to be enjoyable for me. But before that, it was kind of tough sledding. It's really bad. I'm not, I'm not there yet. My oldest is six and she is a, like a dancer. Like that's, right. that's probably where she'll cap out uh, in terms of athletic ability. Now I've got a five-year-old, I've got a six-year-old, a five-year-old, a almost two-year-old and a four, right, a new one and a four. Yeah. I was like the four month old. Who's that's been, awesome. Yeah. So we, we're a little busy um, in terms of in the house, but sports and, and activities were, we're not there yet. So, so I, have you done the dance? Have you done any of the dance recitals yet? We've had one. Yes. And that was, uh, so my wife took, my wife was like a stage mom mm -hmm. and went back and, and did that. And I sat and watched uh, the recital, which is my weird. recollection of that. Cause my daughter did that for a while. Like you have to watch like three Everybody's, hours of other people dancing. Yes. It's like a just, whole just day. See, just to see like 10 minutes of your kid. Oh, 10 minutes is being very, very <laughs> I've got, so we've got in my group of buddies, we all played football in college and we've stayed really close. Athletics is this great bonding thing, right? So in all of our kids now, we're in the same, you know, college buddies group chat and it's the weekends. We're talking about what's going on. And we've got our buddy that his daughter's in dance and it's a full weekend event, right? And then we've got our buddy that's a hockey dad and it's a full weekend event. But hockey dad gets to see his kids play four or five games in the course of that weekend. <laughs> dance dad is like, I watched my daughter dance for a total of 15 minutes over the last 72 hours. And I'm going insane. You know, it's just a different world. And I saw the dance before because I saw them <laughs> practice. I know what yeah. the dance is going to be. Yeah. Oh. There, there are pictures out there of me um, participating in one of the father daughter dances on stage. Yeah. Yep. And that was, that was one of my life highlights, obviously. <laughs> Is that on the uh, Instagram, Heath? Where can the listeners go to find that bad boy? I, yeah, I believe that one is on the Facebook that uh, okay. I, I don't generally accept friend requests from people I don't know. So <laughs> it's probably not, smart. Not on the public Facebook page, for sure. That's probably smart. I don't even know that I do that. And I have a much lower profile than you. So I think that's the wise decision. <laughs> so, so let's move into the draft. Tomorrow's the draft. We're all going to be watching it. This this one feels like the most, I don't know, unknown question marks. And it's the first one in, I think, six years where a quarterback isn't expected to be the number one overall pick. Um, is, what's your feel for the first round? Is it going to be as crazy as everybody thinks? Is the top kind of already settled? I don't think anything's settled. Um, I, at the very least, I think we're going to get surprises. I'm cautiously optimistic that we will be entertained. 
is what I would say. Because a lot of times we get worked up about these potential trades, and that would likely be the most exciting thing about the first round for us. For fantasy purposes, I think day two is probably going to be more fun than day one. Yeah. Um, but there's a potential. I mean, we've got some guys who could get moved prior to or during the draft. I, I think um, it will be very interesting to see. Like, we always see the quarterbacks get pushed up more than they should be. I don't think that means they're getting pushed up into the top three or four picks this year. Right. But do does one or two of them sneak into the top ten? be really interesting. I think there's – is there, like, a, a shock – spot where you think uh you know this this trade could happen or this this pick nobody kind of sees coming I, i've talked to a couple i don't i am not on the same level as you but i've talked to a couple people that have sources that I, i've got i've got two but i'm curious if you've heard anything crazy or any shocking picks that are coming i was I, not not necessarily i mean i think that the nice thing is that we're, we're not going to be sh- shocked by what jacksonville does because jacksonville Right, and we've tell. kind of already like <laughs> the, point. the um the gambling uh the, the the books have already kind of shown us that they don't think that Jacksonville is going to take who we think they should. Right. So that won't be that big of a surprise. The thing I was tweeting about earlier today, and I, I think it might come to fruition, is what if Green Bay decides, you know what, there's one wide receiver that we really think's a lot better than everybody else. And so, or, or is the best of the class. And so we're willing to deal these two first and maybe something else to get into the top 10 to go get them. Or if one of the edge rushers falls and the chiefs with a couple first round picks, try to do the same thing. I think it's what those teams with multiple picks do in trying to move up to get their guy that could be, could be the shock. Like if the Packers somehow jump into the top 10, that'd be a lot of fun for a wide receiver. Oh, it'd be a lot of fun. It would be, I mean, to a number of people, fairly unexpected, expect, especially to see them invest that type of draft capital into an offensive weapon. You know, it would almost be as if finally, after all these years, they decided to listen to Aaron, we're going to give you a bunch of money and here's what you've been begging us for and pouting if you didn't get. So I, I know being a Minnesota guy, there'd be a lot of my friends, you know, to the West that would be ecstatic with that, especially, you know, with kind of opening up the roster spot with the trade they went through. I, I get curious when you said, you know, Matt mentioned quarterback. Um, is there any chance? And of course there's a chance, but I've heard some people talk about, you know, potentially existing assets on teams moving around. And if we could see quarterbacks that are already on a team end up as part of a package deal during the trade, this always kind of feels like it's the far out scenario of wouldn't it be great and fun. Do you think anything that kind of out of the norm could happen tomorrow night? Because it feels like you're, you're just like beating around the bush of Debo and Jimmy G. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And could they also come from Baker? Um, you know, and, uh, you know, it, it's the Sam Darnold get talked about anymore. Or are we past that? Like there's a few of those names out there that I'm always curious to see, like, would something actually happen here in a way that is reasonable and not just fan fiction for, you know, NFL dummies. I think for the quarterbacks, it probably doesn't happen tomorrow. Now. I don't, I don't know anything, but I don't know that either one of those guys are going to be impacting day one picks anyway. So if like the teams might want to see if they get a quarterback on day one, and then maybe on day two or three, one of those guys moves. Um, Debo's the one that we ought to know. I would assume by the tenth pick. Yeah, I would think we know before the draft, right? I I I don't know who tweeted it today, but somebody said you've got to trade him. He's got a passive physical. He's got a negotiated contract. All before that pick gets made. 
Yeah, I wonder if they could have a lot of that stuff done, but it remains contingent on whether the guy that San Francisco wants at 10 is there. Gotcha. But who knows? They, they're still saying they won't trade him. I mean, it's, it's Debo, right, on a rookie contract, your most formidable offensive weapon. Of course, you know, you're going to say that because you should think that. But also, if there's even a chance that you're going to trade this guy, it's got to be some positioning to go with it. But th- this would be the one storyline for me that I was like, oh, my gosh, Debo Samuel's doing what? And, you know, the, the old Instagram deletes and unfollow that's, that's kind yeah. of become the norm. Like, is this, this couldn't really happen, right? And it seems, at least it feels to me like it's more likely to happen than not. Maybe that's just the hype of what you see on social media. And no, I but think it feels also, like a real deal. Well, I think it's also a product of the fact that it just happened with Devontae and it just happened with Tyreek. Yeah, sure. Like, it, it seemed much less likely to happen before it happened twice in the span of like a month. And now <laughs> so the biggest like, names in the position, right? Yeah. Right. You said, Any, anything is possible, I suppose. And really, if you go back a little bit further, you know, Stefan Diggs leaving Minnesota and he kind of pulled the same thing in Buffalo, but stayed put, right? Like yeah. wide receivers have really cracked the code on how to get paid or moved based on their social media game. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I, I give all the credit to the NBA and sure. I guess first and foremost to LeBron, like the, the players have more agency than they ever have in this right. process. And that started in the NBA. And so you have a, a limited... Uh, set of years to go and right you know make that forever money for you and your kids and probably their kids so you know I don't begrudge the players for for trying to make hay while the sun shines and it, it's interesting to watch when I'm a fan of those teams you know mm-hmm. it can be a little painful but otherwise like it's good entertainment and you know go get paid if you're worth it yep and so we're talking wide receivers this class of wide receivers seems to be really strong if we're debating is this 2022 class as good as the 2014 class i don't think so um but i but i'm not see i don't think there is maybe quite the same high-end upside there's a like i don't think there's a chase or a jefferson which is there's usually not right um but there might be a lot of like fantasy number twos and there's a lot of guys who you can see a hype even more than normal. I mean, there's always a lot of guys like this, but there's, there's like guys like George Pickens. Yeah. I, I could see him developing into a number one wide receiver. I could also see him never breaking 700 yards yeah. in the NFL. <laughs> so and, that I see that I've, I've read a, quite a bit. He's tumbling. Like he's falling down boards. He could be right. a late second round pick. And say, same kind of the same thing for sky Moore. Like there's a lot of, incomplete prospects with certain talents that make you think, man, if they just figure the other things out, they could be really, really good. But if they don't figure th- those things out, they can't play in the league. Yeah. Yeah. And you fit in the system and yeah. Um, the one, one of my ends was wide receiver related. It's that uh, Atlanta is, is at eight is going to stay put and they're going to take Jameson Williams at eight. And the other is, and it kind of broke this. I heard it late last night. And then this morning rumor, I'm a Cowboys fan. Um, The talk is that Jerry Jones is on the phone trying to move into the early teens. He's got his eye on a guy. And the name I'm hearing is Drake London, which as a Cowboys fan, I'm like, Oh my gosh, no, I, I'm, I really want Kyle Hamilton in the, in the back, the back end of the defense with Michael Parsons. Like that's my dream scenario. And I've tweeted it a few times. Like my nightmare is Jerry Jones trades up and passes on Kyle Hamilton and for Drake London, like just, 
they they like their wide receivers and, and they, they sure are, do. I guess, a little thin at the position right now. Um, that, I don't think that would be a place where I'd be super excited for one of these wide receivers to land. The one thing I like about it is we're talking about these guys potentially going early. Neither of them are the Ohio state guys. I hope we get to the end of the first round or late in the first round. And there's still either Olave or Garrett Wilson, probably not still yeah. on the board. And the bears are able to trade those two seconds to get into the first and reunite Justin Fields with one of his teammates. That'd be cool. I mean, we've seen that work with, with Cincinnati. And I mean, it seemed like that was the new thing to do. Tua and Waddle and Hurts right. and Devontae. Yeah. yeah. And into some explosive production, right? Especially thinking about what these rookie wide receivers can do. Mm-hmm. It, you know, for so long from a fantasy perspective, think about how many years we talked about like, oh yeah, this is a great talent. Uh, don't, you know, don't get antsy on this player. The third year breakout is the thing you want to wait for. And there's still that, but so many of these guys, I mean, a couple key examples, but, you know, second year breakouts and then first year rookies where teams have gone after and reunited them with their college quarterback, you know, to like really blow the top off in some of this production. It, it feels like a, um, it feels like a shortcut to some of this wide receiver development, um, which if you can get some of that peak production without having to grind through the system for a couple of years, I'm like, geez, that's a, yeah. that's a, that's a fast track to the future. Yeah, for sure. So, Heath, I've seen I've seen your rankings. I know. I got to be honest. I'm a little disappointed. At, oh, good. At, <laughs> just because I'm such a Malik Willis, like should be one on one, super flex, absolutely. And I see Hall coming up, and now Walker is is coming up the board. I'm like, what? Oh, I'm just. So let's talk about Willis first. We had uh, a Thor Nystrom on a few weeks ago, right after the the Senior Bowl talked about I think that was the first time he claimed that that Willis was a right-handed Michael Vick what are your thoughts I mean if he lands in the right spot what is the right spot for him kind of does he have that that same fantasy cap to you I don't think I care as much about what team he's on as where he's drafted if somebody makes a move to go get him in the top 10 or if one of those teams in the top 10 take him then he will be my super flex 101 okay um, for sure the draft capital matters here. Um, it it 100% matters to me because I think some, I don't really kind of like Trey Lance. I don't really think that he is going to probably impact um, fantasy football next year. Yeah. And so I'd like for somebody to have enough invested in him to where I feel confident. He's at least going to get a couple of years after that. Gotcha. Like Trey Lance, the whole thing behind him was, even if he's nothing this year, he's got two years after that for sure. Right. Um, and I, I don't have that. If, if Willis, like if, they don't make any trades and the Steelers are able to get him at 20. I'm not sure there's the same level of uh, commitment. Yeah. So, so draft capital will influence it. I think right now in my super flex flex rankings, I have Willis at three behind Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. Yep. Um, And so that's kind of thinking that he's going to go somewhere in that 20 range. But if, if he goes top 10, he'll 100% be my first pick in super flex. Yeah. For me, it's, even with Lance, like the value for him is insulated. I don't think, I think you, you took Lance last year, probably 103, 104. You could probably trade him for that right now in this class. Um, with quarterbacks, I think you have a longer leash, um, mm-hmm. but I also think team build matters too. And, and I, you mentioned this in your, in your question, your, your mailbag today with dynasty team builds matter. If you've got a roster built to win now and you're one piece away, 
I don't hate taking Hall one on one. Right. I just I like Willis's upside. I, I don't know. I just he's just I think Thor talked me into it, I guess. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> he I he was very I love, enthusiastic. I love his upside. And I I think like I don't really think there's another quarterback in this class that has fantasy starter potential. Um and I think he does, even if he's not that much better as a passer than he currently is. Right. But it has to be the right situation. And I need to see a team invest enough in him to where I feel confident he's going to get a long run. Because gotcha. we, we have to expect rookie quarterbacks are not going to be good their first 16 or 17 games. Yeah. And yeah. so like spend enough on them to where you don't care about that. But if they spend enough on them would be fantastic. And then, you know, the thing with Malik is, you have the legs that can always sort of like, you know, mask some of the lack of production in the passing game. And if yep. he needs to mature a little bit and the arm strength's there, there's not a question. I, you know, that obviously we've all seen him get linked to the Steelers. Um, and then the saints I've heard a lot more of it, it recently is there, when we talk about, you know, not so much the team, but the draft capital to spend, if he is going to be, you know, a, a top 10 pick, that feels like it really limits the, the teams that have the proper incentive to trade up and move assets for a crack at them. If that's not the case, then, you know, who's, who's the, who do you think your um, next best bet to have some relevance, or at least to be somebody you would go after and feel safe with uh, in the quarterback position would be. I don't, I don't know that, like, I don't like Pickett. Oh, either. Yeah. And I, it seems like he's that's going the, to have the second problem, highest. Right? It seems like he's going to have the second highest draft capital. Um, I think, like, if I'm in a super flex league and I want to add some quarterback depth, I'm more likely to wait for a couple guys that might go a little bit later. Yeah. Um, especially if Carson Strong could somehow sneak into round three or something, um, something like that, as opposed to if Pickett, like, I'm really afraid the Panthers are going to take Pickett. And they're just going to stockpile as many bad quarterbacks as possible. <laughs> um, and cool. DJ Moore will never be set free. Um, they're, they're doing with uh, quarterbacks like um, the Texans were doing with running backs there. Just yeah. like, you know, just we'd have a bunch of, we get enough not good ones. We should be fine, right? And I'm going to say all this and, and Pickett's going to come out and start week one and throw for 320 <laughs> yards now. But no, I just, I don't really think there is a passer who's good enough to be a top 12 fantasy quarterback. So if you're not going to be a, a, like a, a real threat running then I'm not. And I think we're seeing that, like if there was a passer who was good enough to be a top 12 quarterback, we'd be talking about him going as his top five pick. Yeah. And you, I mean, you mentioned strong. If you think back to last year's class, I mean, that was Davis mills. You pick the yeah. guy who's got the worst starter in front of him and you grab him in the third round or late second. I mean, wherever you want to do, but you just, you take that gamble. We right. saw payoff for mills. Um, that, that's, that's kind of how I look. I mean, I remember when Josh Allen came out, I was like, Oh, he's terrible. And then you were drafting him in the late first and mm -hmm. now he's a top one, two quarterback in the league. Same yep. thing with, uh, with, well, not really Daniel Jones fell quite a bit too. Now he's a completely different story, but, um, oh, we'll go back to, <laughs> he could maybe be something, uh, going back to the, the hall Willis, does hall go in the first round? And I know everybody talks about, you know, Buffalo being the perfect landing spot. Does, is, does that happen? I would guess that Hall goes early in the second round. Um, and I don't know, even know for sure that Buffalo is my favorite landing spot. Cause I think Devin Singletary is fine. Yeah. 
Um, it doesn't seem like a Bills thing to do to draft a running back in the first round. No. I mean, as I think if you're a fan of an AFC team, you're hoping they do. Yeah. So that they don't add somebody who matters in the first round. Um, not three tall matters. He's very no. good. I'm sorry. <laughs> Apologies to all running backs. Uh, um, no, but for the team, again, team build matters, right? So right. Like, yeah, that'd be great. Cause then you're not, you're not, you're not going to get hit with the hammer. Like you could in some other picks. I, I think going back to the Texans, I think if the Texans could add an offensive lineman and a n- good number two wide receiver and then get Brees Hall in the second round, that could be a decent, yeah. like, I, I actually Close to love average offense. Landing spot. I love that spot. There's no one in front of, I mean, Marlon Mack coming off his Achilles injury. Okay. It would I'm be, it crazy. would be beautiful poetry because like the closest prospect you could probably compare Brees Hall to is Jonathan Taylor in terms of size, speed score. Right. Right. Um, and measurables. And he Marlon was drafted to compete with Marlon Mack. So it's perfect. <laughs> Poor Marlon. Right. Like he's like, you gotta be sitting there, you know, watch just like, God, again, like Tyrod Taylor, you right. Know, oh, Tyrod. Quarterback, whoever's behind Tyrod's going to be, be the starter and do well. No, no matter what it takes, you know, like deflating lungs, it just doesn't matter. That poor guy, you know, it was going to happen one way or the other. Couldn't make it. What if, if you don't like Buffalo, where, I mean, Houston, you talked about, is there another first, you don't, you said early second. Um, is there like, I've, I feel like, and I'm going to, it's kind of transition to our next point. Um, Washington's had a lot of running backs in. Is there, is there smoke there? Or am I just reading too much into the top 30 visits? I, man, they have so little draft capital that, that it's hard to believe with Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick on the roster that they'd use one of their few picks on a on a running back. But it doesn't make me feel good. Like, I, I don't think they have the, ty- the picks in the area where they might be sending smoke signals to try to get someone to trade up to take those running backs. Right. I think they must actually be considering them. The only thing I can take that to mean is that they do not have a lot of confidence in Antonio Gibson as a lead running back. Twitter will melt down if they take a running back, right? Like Gibson truthers are nuts. Even I, oh, I they're, they're, they're invested. It is like, I if you question it, and I get like, why do you hate Gibson? I'm like, no, it's just look at who they've had in. They've had so many running backs in. Like I would think that where there's smoke, there's fire. It, it does seem like that they are strongly considering that. And that would, well, I'd be irate if I was a fan of the Washington football team or the commanders. Um, and uh, I, it, it, I would, it scares me as a Gibson uh, fantasy manager, for sure. We can continue to talk just running backs and, and, and wide receivers in general. Um, who are some of your, like, do you have any sleeper? When we talked about Sky Moore, who seems to be some people's like blow up guy that's going to go at the top of round two. Do you have anybody, maybe a late second, early third round dynasty rookie draft that you like um i really think trey mcbride's a little bit underrated um especially if like i think he's a guy who might be there right at the the one two turn in terms of draft capital if somebody makes him a priority and sneaks into the back end of round one to go get him i i love his profile in terms of production in terms of athleticism he's obviously not kyle pitts but right. I think he's better than any other tight end besides Kyle Pitts that's come out of the last couple of years. Yeah. And, and, and it takes a while. To, I mean, you're looking three years usually for a guy, unless right. you're a unicorn like Pitts. 
Right. Or you happen to score a bunch of touchdowns like Friermuth or, well, or that, Hunter yeah. Henry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think he could really be somebody I'm targeting a lot in round two of rookie drafts. Cause it seems like he's there at the two, three turn most of the time. And, and I'm okay taking him a little bit earlier than that. I see uh, there's a, there's a, a hive, I guess, of Pierre strong truthers mm. that, you know, he's, he's up there for, for some guys. Um, he's somebody that I kind of like just, I mean, early third, he's probably there depending on where he lands. And I mean, obviously in those rounds, if the guy lands in a good spot, they're probably not going to be available. So tight end, I mean, in a non-tight end premium league, yeah, your McBride's probably there. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think also like uh, James Cook. Yeah. Um, just like he has the type of skill set where he could move into one of those high value roles. I would be terrified for the running back. If somebody takes him in round three, I'd be terrified for that running back in PPR leagues just because I'd be afraid Cook's going to take away, kind of like what we saw with Gainwell last year, take away some of those really valuable touches. Garrett, I would love to see James Cook in Minnesota with his brother. How do you feel about that? You know, it's it'd be interesting, right? Like, I think for a long time in Minnesota, we have a tradition of having you know the big lead back and then a, and then a guy people really like right behind him. Even if you go back to Adrian Peterson and Toby Gerhardt and Toby, like people thought Toby, like, oh, that guy can be a starter. And then, you know, he got a crack and it didn't really work out all that well. And then Alexander Madison's fantastic. So it's, it, we have a tradition that, that we like to, you know, kind of couple some, some, some running backs that people are high on. Um, I guess I'd have to buy another Jersey. Cause I like watching, I like watching, you know, brother cook as well. Um, I, I'm not going to advocate for the Vikings to spend their draft capital that way, however, but I, I it is a cute idea. I do it think that be- he, like, if he went to him or Spiller really in Arizona, could walk mm-hmm. right into that Chase Edmonds role, yeah, and have some have an instant impact. Uh, we talked early, does Carolina trade back? I feel like Carolina moving back with like the saints or the Eagles or even the chiefs. I mean, the green Bay, who we talked about is that, that seems like the most likely trade back spot. They don't have a lot of draft capital. They have more needs than just what they're going to get at six. And they might be the only team who thinks Kenny Pickett's worth a first round pick. So they could trade back <laughs> and still take the same guy they were going to take at six. Right. So it works out pretty well. Yeah. It seems like I, th- I think if I was a Panthers fan, I would be hoping they traded back. Yes. Just wait for that. I, it feels I mean everybody thinks rules on the hot seat I don't disagree with that so why not get a lot of bullets to take your shots in your last year rather than your one early I know there's the temple connection like but right. you don't have to take I don't think you have to take pick, pick it at six I, like, I, I'll go ahead and admit something and just give you guys something to make fun of me on a future episodes but I'm still <laughs> just a tiny bit of a Cam Newton truther oh. and I don't think any of these like if rules on the hot seat i don't think sam darnold or jimmy garoppolo or any of these rookie quarterbacks give him a better chance than if somehow they could catch lightning in a bottle with cam again it would be interesting you know what he it's so funny you say this um matt and i we thought it might have been <laughs> oh you're gonna cam. i forgot about yeah it. i thought we thought we figured it was either cam himself or cam's mom on twitter what about a year ago it was a year uh, ago yeah it was a year ago uh and um this person was was adamant that cam had everything that was going to make it happen it would top top five quarterback he said top five quarterback top, cam was going to be a top five QB. that was actually my burner 
Yeah, I was saying Heath. I, that was my segue. I said we might have been talking to Heath, and we didn't even know. But it was like you know, like Cam fan number one. It's just like, oh my gosh, uh, it would be it would be a pretty poetic storyline. Yeah, and it's funny. Like when you talk about rule, it really does. Um, you know, not that things have gone great there or whatever, but you know, th- traditionally, you know, the common belief is he's on the hot seat, and like the life cycle of an NFL quarterback, you know, feels like it gets shorter and shorter every year, especially, you know, again, Minnesota guy, we, we, we had a number and I was a, and I was a, a fan of our former head coach for quite a while, but he was here a long time. And you look across the league, that's not the norm. So do you have some, some, some wild picks and trying to, to do some unconventional things, but it is, you know, for, for a, a guy like Cam, the type of athlete that he is, the type of competitor he's been, in in a, at a franchise where there's not much competition, yeah, we've seen more shocking things in the NFL than than Cam Newton resurging from the ashes. I just don't know how fantasy relevant he'd be. <laughs> so we've talked uh, Detroit a little bit. They've got that that thirty second pick. Do you the rumors the the everyone wants them to get a quarterback? Do you think that's a quarterback? Is that a to me that seems like a trade back spot? Trade back to somebody that wants a fifth year option on whoever. What are, you, what are your thoughts on Detroit? They're, they're, I mean, early it seems like if Hutchinson's there, they're going to take Hutchinson. But yeah, so I mean, you, it seems like they, they need to be one of the teams. And probably like the, like if I was the Giants, I would probably screw things up and just take Willis because I want another shot at the lottery. Um, but it seems like the quarterback-wise, the general consensus is that the 2023 class is going to be so much better than this one. That if you're in one of these teams where you have a placeholder now – you might use those picks either to trade back and maybe try to pick up more picks in 2023 to really take a swing then, or you just kind of eat it one year with Jared Goff. I, I don't really think I'd be surprised if the lions went that way. I, for me, it's, and I guess, you know, having watched Goff, you know, in the NFC North this last year, and then knowing, you know, what else Detroit had going on around Goff and then seeing, you know, the levels of like a very high end of mediocrity, that, you know, he went to the Super Bowl with the Rams. I just don't know who's out there that people think is a reasonable Goff replacement for Detroit that makes them significantly more competitive in the North. I don't, I don't know. It's just whether you can take a lottery shot on somebody and develop them into a good quarterback in two years, but I don't think, Really, other than Malik Willis, yeah. if Jared Goff was in this it. draft right now, there's not a quarterback I would take over Goff. <laughs> no, right? It's like it's something, and this yeah. it's kind of become the cliche that this is a soft, you know, uh, draft class for QB. But yeah, Jared Goff in this class, he's your best, he's your top quarterback off the board, most likely for teams looking for a starter. Well, I mean, and you talk about available quarterbacks. I, I feel like I've seen it, and Heath, you may have tweeted it, but if. Of all the guys available, Baker Mayfield is probably the number one quarterback of with between the draft and the guys that are available on the block. Yeah, I, I did tweet that and people got mad at me, but you know, I think I, I, I we've gone a little too far in uh in putting Baker and probably Goff as well down. Um, I think they're both probably I one hundred percent think they're both better this year than any rookie quarterback would be. Yeah. Now Willis has more upside than both of them, but and with Baker, it's probably a one year. Rent. I mean, it's his last year of his right. deal. 
it's a see what you can get. Yeah, um, prove it. And I think it, you know, man, that quarterback position, you know, again, back to the dad talk. My you know, my oldest really wants to be a quarterback. He's throws a heck of a ball, he's got a good football brain. The pressures around playing quarterback are really something else. We're just watching it get higher and higher. And it starts, you know, with the media coverage of professional quarterbacks and how that filters down through college and even high school. And, Arch and, Manning. Oh, yeah, man. It will, like the pressures of playing quarterback are so unbelievably high that you have a guy like, you know, Baker and, you know, even, you know, some of these things where quarterbacks that are, are decent quarterbacks, Goff, we mentioned. And, um, you know, the media pressure, which just kind of comes the social pressure on what we expect out of these, um, you know, positional players, where then you have the other side of the conversations, it's like wins are not a QB stat. Well, we treat them like they're, they are, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're held against these, these players in certain ways, as opposed to thinking about, you know, capabilities and fit and very important part of a team leading element of the team, but all that stuff has to be right for things to really blow up in the right direction. Yeah. I- I will just say, if wins are a QB stat, then we should put some respect on Mitchell Trubisky's name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was <laughs> worth you know trading up into the first for it, you know, <laughs> or to the top of the first for him. It's really moved something. Up one spot. The Bears moved up one spot to get him. One spot ahead of a team that wasn't going to take. It was that as a Vikings fan. Uh, that that uh, that was a memory that warms the old heart. I saw something that that one of those picks that they traded to San Francisco that San Francisco then traded away turned into Alvin Kamara. Like the the ripple effects from that one deal is is just is huge and kind of cool to look back on. If you got time, we don't have to go into that, but if you got time, go look at that. Who's who who's your prediction for winner of night one? Let's have some fun, Malik Willis. Let's say somebody trades up into the top six or seven and go gets Malik Willis, and then we can all agree he's the one hundred and one and. Uh, we can dream about the possibility that what he does in 2023. I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about dreams and being excited. Let's talk about crashing down. Melvin Gordon re-signed with Denver. <laughs> oh boy. There's some broken hearts. Oh, I, what, RB2 now? Is he, is, is, is Williams an RB2? Is Gordon an RB3? Yeah, I I think where I came out originally was uh, Williams at 19 at running back, which is lower than just about everybody, and Gordon at 36 in terms of projections. Now, I'd rank both of them a little higher than that just because they're both one injury away from being a top five running back um, to the other guy. But I think it's like I made the joke about putting respect on Mitchell Trubisky's name, but Melvin Gordon was really good last year. They're very similar just between the two of them. Very similar. And listen, Gordon's 29 years old now. Every you have every right to expect that he will start getting worse or just flat out be bad at any moment. But he's not shown any sign of that yet. So he's a 29 year old running back on a one year deal. Run him into the ground. Right. Give him the workload. Make it happen. Young guy. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it'll probably be 60 40 split in Williams' favor. And he could still be a top 12 running back, but I don't want to draft him as a top 12 running back anymore. No, no I mean, he, he was going in the first round of startups. I wouldn't take him there. The dynasty part of it's tougher because he's still like so young. Yeah. And if he's like, if a guy's a mid range RB2 at 22 or 23 years old, and we think that eventually he's going to be top 12. So 
I, I don't know that I'm going to drop him more than a couple spots. I had him as my third running back in my dynasty running back rankings. He'll definitely fall behind DeAndre Swift, but he's going to still be a top five or six running back for me in dynasty. It's just in redraft that he fell a little bit. J.K. Drafts or Williams? Because those are the two that were impacted. Dobbins or Williams? That could have been impacted by Gordon. Where do you have them dynasty-wise? Dynasty-wise, I still have Williams um, significant. I think I, I think I'll probably have Williams that like, and I'll do my most. I, I'm hedging a little bit because I haven't updated for a month, and I do it right after the draft. But I think I'll probably have Williams at five or six, and Dobbins eight to ten. So not not too far there. Williams is slightly ahead in redraft as well. I'm just a little bit worried that Baltimore seems more concerned about Dobbins ACL than I would have thought they would have. Yeah, done. they talk, I, they've talked. Their GM yeah. mentioned something about possibly drafting a running back, and that to me that was like uh what did he just say like right uh, now that could also be that gus edwards who was always kind of borderline athletically anyway they don't think he's going to get all the way back and they need somebody to share with dobbins because they're going to have a two-back system oh yeah i mean that they've had that for years that's going to be a run first offense with multiple guys running back by committee but i do think like just pure talent wise i think dobbins is better than williams uh, so we're talking, I mean, we, we've kind of hit redraft dynasty. What do you have a favorite format? Are you a Debbie guy? Are you, do you lean one way or another? I really like a little bit of everything. Okay. I think my favorite format right now is, um, or my favorite league right now is a league that John Bosch runs. And it's, um, I think the name of it's auction addicts and it's salary cap drafts all the way around any, there's no snake drafts in the whole thing. It's head to head, but it's best ball. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I don't have to set a lineup and I don't have to feel stupid when I start the wrong guy. Okay. Um, But it's also all. Like you get a certain amount of money for this free agent pool, and then we're going to have an auction. You get a certain amount of money for the draft, and then, and so that that's been my favorite so far right now. That sounds fun. Yeah. It sounds like you get a lot of activity that way, right? Like it's plenty yes. of interest. It's involved. That's, I've been that's bugging great. him trying to get get him to start a superflex version because superflex dynasty sure. best ball is probably my favorite. Nice. Well, and then it's I think that's a really interesting concept. It's just sort of like my brain's opening up more and more to it. You get all this sort of intricate interaction around the auction phase, but then, so that's like detailed and, you know, you drive a lot of good, you know, team dynamics from the different, you know, team owners and everything else, but then you don't have to set up weekly lineups. So you invest in the auction strategy and then sort of let the chips fall where they fall week to week. That's right. That's kind of an intriguing balance. I'm going to, I'm going to have to take a note on this one. Keith, how many leagues are you in total? Do you know how many you'll be in this year? Hopefully not as many <laughs> as last year, but I say that every year and somehow it ends up being more. Um, I, I think like actual leagues that were not just best ball, set it and forget it leagues. It was in the 20s last year, 25, 26, somewhere like that. Um, I'm really trying to not add any leagues that are not best ball. Um, And I think that's the best part. Like, I understand people don't like best ball. And if you play in one or two leagues, I almost kind of even understand why. But when you get up to where you're playing 10, 15, 20 leagues, it does allow you to keep adding leagues without adding headache. Time I love it. Set a lineup and you know, right. Yeah. 
Okay, we're gonna we're gonna kind of shift from football here. I know you are a a barbecue and beer kind of guy. Are you yep. cooking anything up for the draft? Are you do you have a go to recipe? I I am not making doing anything for the draft. Um, I I I have a couple of go tos. What what I do most often on the smoker is pulled pork, just because it's the thing that I can almost do in my sleep. Um, and I, I still have an old school side box where I'm feeding wood in every couple hours. Um, I haven't gone, graduated to the uh, timed pellet, pellet smoker just because I feel like if I did that, I wouldn't have an excuse to sit on the patio and drink beer all day. Right. Now I have to watch the fire. Um, if, if the machine was doing it all for me, I, I would be free to do other things that I don't want to do. So I love that Heath. I got a lot of respect for that. I've got some buddies. Yeah, you know, I spend a little time on the patio and the grill. I'm actually looking at been building up plans to put together a smoker and it's going to be an old school thing. I've got some friends that are really into it. And we had a buddy that's like, you know, we're, we're sitting around. This was, I don't know, maybe last fall sometime. He's like, yeah, I'm going to get it. I've just got the order and I'm going to get my smoker. I can't wait for spring and summer because you can't do as much of it in the winter here in Minnesota. And they're like, that's awesome, man. What do you get? You know, what you, you, you got something you had to put together. He's like, I got my Traeger on order. And um, the look of just like shock slash uh, mockery on their faces, like you're, you're not getting a smoker, you're getting a pellet app. What are you doing? You hit the button and think that you're a, you're a pit master with your phone and your Wi-Fi. Like, come on, get real, man. Like, and these dudes are beating him down to the point where I was like, you shouldn't have said that, bro. I think you oh. shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I respect Listen. the old school technique. Yeah. I mean, whatever everybody needs to do, but um, like the best thing that I do is probably burnt ends. Oh. I don't do it as often because man, it's, it's hard to get it perfect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you get a big old brisket and cut the point off about 12 hours in and chop it all up, put it in a pan, put some more seasoning on it, put it back on high heat for about an hour and, uh, really just get them nice it's meat candy. Oh, it's so good. They're so tough. Cause they're, that's, that's something you can get wrong <laughs> pretty oh, easy. Well, and, it, and if you do, it's like, it's a hundred and hundred, hundred and fifty dollar piece of meat that you just is gone. Yeah. It's, it's. Matt, I, I've never craved burnt ends this late in the night, but like you're describing that. I'm going, I want some burnt ends right now. <laughs> yes. I know I'm getting hyped up. We actually not for the draft and Matt, you didn't ask me, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Oh, go ahead. Um, yeah. We're doing a brisket this weekend. Okay. Saturday into Sunday. And I've got, I've got a, a buddy who's, whose aunt, you know, is a, a, a cattle farmer down in Iowa. And it's like, incredible so we i haven't yeah. bought beef from a grocery store in over two years because we started trying to support them in the pandemic when you know right. the, all the different processes in the food supply chain were really messed up and it's just been the greatest thing ever but this year i when i put my order in, we got some briskets and my buddy who has the smoker we're going to do it up big like starting saturday night and then get the families together on sunday so that's that's I'm very excited for the next few days. I, I mentioned, you know, the draft experience like this, I was very much looking forward to. And then the draft tomorrow night down at the stadium and then like eating brisket <laughs> on Sunday. It makes me feel like we got to take the extra step and like go burn ends along with it. But we're, we're still, that, we're still yeah, working on it. The hardest thing is, and I, I experienced this down in Florida when I first moved down here for the first time, because in Kansas City, you go to buy a brisket and it's almost always the entire brisket. 
Right. Yeah. Down in Florida. And I, we get most of our meat through butcher box now. Um, and I was not paid to say that, but <laughs> when, when you order a brisket for, through them, it's just the flat oh. and it doesn't have the point on it. Yeah. And you go to a regular grocery store down in Florida, they're almost all trimmed already in just the flat. Cause really not a lot of people do the burnt in. Um, so yeah, there's a special place I have to go where I can get the full brisket with the point on it to cut off later. You can do burnt ends with any kind of meat. Um, you could do it with the flat. It's just not, it's not as fatty. Um, and so it doesn't work quite as well. Uh, who so, wants the lean burnt ends? It's like, come on. No, I need this for my health. Like diet. Oh, I, I went to a barbecue place one time and I won't say where it was, but I, 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 I asked him, I didn't see it on the menu. I was like, you guys have burnt ends? It's like, oh yeah, no problem. We've got burnt ends. So like, great. And uh, I get down, I sit down and it, I think basically they just chopped up some beef into squares and handed it to me as burnt ins. I was like, this, this yeah, is not, this is not burnt ins. <laughs> You've lied to me, my it's good sir. This is chopped beef. <laughs> what's your, what's your go-to beer while you're, while you're, while you're doing all the, the barbecuing? It really depends. Um, when I'm cooking like on the grill, just like steaks or, or something that's still take an hour or less than Florida man from cigar city. Say cigar city, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, that is my favorite. It's a double hazy IPA. It's hard to go wrong, but, but that's like eight or 9%. You can't do that. If you're smoking something for 12 to 13 hours, because I have to start drinking when I put the meat on my smoker doesn't work without beer. Yeah. And oh, so you yeah, little, little a, known fact. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I'll, I'll go with a, um, they had for a while founders um, all day, haze. all day IPA. Well, yeah, they have all day, day IPA. They just yes. had all the a haze. They've stopped making it. And did so they? I am, I'm, I'm I've scheduled a trip to visit there in July and try to get that changed. Yeah. Um, let them know. Let them know. Yes. We want some in Minnesota too, because uh, I've only seen it once the all day IPA you can get all the time, but haze, yep. I, if that's gone, I feel like I missed my chance because I saw it and I thought, Ooh, that's right up my alley. They had it for like two months and it's gone. Now, um, cigar city does, they have high lies. They're kind of flag flagship beer. Um, and they now have one that's called a high low. Sure. And it's the high lie, except it's only 4%, but I'll, I'll go with a session for the, uh, when I'm smoking just because smart man, it, it's a long, long day. Have you, Heath, have you had the, um, bells lighthearted ale? I have. That's, I, I'm actually visiting Bell's on the same trip when I go to Founders. So, oh man, uh, you're, you're yeah. doing it right. The light, the the um, lighthearted ale, I think, is fantastic. So, you know, the two-hearted is great, but you know, it's not it's not up, you know, in the nine, you know, ABV range. But you have a few right. of them. You definitely know it. The one Minnesota beer, and I, I'm always surprised that it's not a little bit more known, but it's it's you know growing nationwide is Surly. And Surly has um, extra citra, and it is it's like a four two five, you know, IPA kind of citra forward. Um, I love all of those. I've switched over to like I'm like really embracing my old man dad phase where I'm like, you crazy kids with your you know uh, imperial stouts that are punching you in the face at thirteen and a half. Like I'm going to sit back with this four and a half or um, I, I I gave such a rant six or seven years ago a year or two into my start at cbs chris towers was talking about drinking some session ipas 
And I went on like a 15 minute rant about what a ripoff it is because you're paying the same price and not getting as much alcohol. And now I am just an old man that really, (laughs) I gotta, gotta take it easy, man. I I had some beer. I went to a brewery in Minneapolis when I was there for, uh, was it FSGA was there a couple of years ago, I think. And, but I don't, I don't remember the name of the brewery. I remember it had a, uh, had a pool table in it and it was shaped like an L and it was not far from downtown. We walked to it. Oh, uh, just one. It, that sounds like barrel theory. I think it might've been on the Northwest end of town, but also I had a few beers that night. So sure. Maybe not. <laughs> sure. Uh, it sounds like you could be describing barrel theory. Barrel theory is almost like a, a club microbrewery. It's it's you can get in there, but you have like some purchasing rights. They're fantastic. They've got, I mean, I like everything. I, I've, I've tended to settle into this IPA phase of life, but they've got some really nice variety of IPAs. They're like, you know, people think IPAs, they think, oh, it's just, you know, bitter. Like that's what the hipsters drank a decade ago. There's so much variety, you know, like yeah. I can start an IPA podcast and keep going, but I'll, I'll shut it. I'll cut it short on that. If you're ever in Minneapolis again, you know, I'd, I'd love for you to hit me up and we'll go out and, and see some of the local spots. There's actually some really nice breweries in town that, that's, that seems, you know, developed kind of nationwide, but Minneapolis has done it well. And there was some type of burger. Yeah, the Juicy Lucy. The Juicy um, Lucy. Yes, I had yeah, one of those as well. I have had one of those. Yep. That is, uh, it was fun, you know, when the Super Bowl was here. Um, and the barstool guys actually rented a house, not too far from where I live and like walk the dog by and be like, do you guys want to yeah. party? No. Okay. I'm just going to walk the dog. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, that was sort of like national media conversation of, you know, where do you go? What, what do you eat here? Is it the tater tot hot dish? Is it the you know juicy Lucy's? And there's, you know, this long debate of where you get, it. you got to go to Matt's is what the locals will tell yes, you, okay. but yeah, that's you, not you where know, I went. You cheese in the burger. Yep. It's, yeah. uh, it was really good. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to beat, you know. It's a cheeseburger, but it's a it's a delicious oozy gooey cheeseburger. It's in the burger. In the burger. In the burger. All right, last two, and they're and they're both kind of in the same vein. We, we want to give you an opportunity to kind of reflect on kind of everything that you've done professionally and and as a dad. So, first question is, what's your favorite, like your number one professional accomplishment? And then on that same level your favorite, if you can pick one, we, I mean, we've talked about it. You've got so many as a dad, but do you have like a favorite standout dad moment? Um, so professionally, I mean, first off, I just say it's, it's been seven years now and it still seems pretty insane to me that I work for CBS. So like just that, I'm not really sure how it happened. And I, every day expect for someone to come say, ha, we found him. You're not supposed to be here. Um, but like, outside of that, the idea that we now have um, a dynasty central hub on CBS sports where we've got rankings and um, tiers and multiple dynasty mock drafts and a trade chart. And we've got like 20 prospect profiles right now. Um, when I started at CBS, there would maybe be one dynasty piece or two dynasty pieces per year on the site like there was just no dynasty coverage and so that's that's probably the thing i'm most proud of i don't know about you guys and maybe you'll get to the point when your kids get a little bit older i i think more right now about the things that 
man, I wish I'd done that just a little bit different than I do the things that I did any good at all. Anytime they have success, that's, that's fantastic. But I have a hard time seeing how I had very much to do with it. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just blessed to get to do it. Like I've had a lot of special moments with my kids coaching them and them winning certain sports things or things like that. None of them probably compare though to like, I remember still the morning that I woke up and it, my daughter was going to the hospital and I was going to become a grandpa and like the terror that went <laughs> through me. Um, just, I, that was the most anxious I've ever felt. Yeah. And so then like when she got through that and, and walking into that room, that's probably right now still the most special thing that I've had. Happen. Nice. Yeah. I, it, it, is it as, I mean, I'm lucky enough that my wife's parents live close to me and my parents are, are about a half an hour away. Like we've, we've got that relationship, but is it like, I see my parents being grandparents and it's so completely different than what I oh remember. My gosh. My parents. So literally yeah. was going to be exactly what I jump in is, did it like present itself? Like, did you go through a thought process of saying like, I'm going to be a different grandpa than I was as a dad, because I know my dad is unrecognizable as a as a grandfather i'm like who is this like patient and carefree fun time man you know and my dad my dad and i are very close it's not like you know right. it's not a bad but it, it is so much different and when i hear my wife talk about you know her dad he has almost become this like exaggerated character version of what as a grandpa that he was as a dad so was that a thought process that you go through if i'm going to do this different or do you just sort of like come from the cocoon and up pops a butterfly of a grandfather. No, I think it's just like, we are like evolving throughout life. And these things happen at different stages. Like my daughter will tell my 12 year old now that she didn't have the same dad that he has. Like I'm different as a dad sure. for the youngest than I was for the oldest, but there is also a little bit of, it's not my problem. And there's yeah. some joy that comes from that. Like if like you might screw this one up, but I, I can't, all, all I have to do is make her love me. So I, I don't have any responsibility other than that. So no, there's, it's, I think it's just maybe a little bit of freedom that you feel because you do as a parent, man, you just feel like, I think you feel like you have a lot more control than you actually do. Yeah, sure. And as a grandparent, you've kind of come to realize that you don't and no one's expecting you to. So you just get to uh, spoil and uh, have fun. You started well, talking about Debo Samuel earlier, Heath, and, and as you've talked about, you know, being a, a grandfather and a father, I think of you as this like, you know, offensive weapon uh, of, <laughs> of parenting now that, you know, it doesn't have to just be in the wide receiver world. You can flex into the running back world too. grandfather, father, you're doing it all. And man, it's, it's, it's always nice to hear these stories, especially from people, you know, you follow their content and, and, you know, you see the, what they do professionally and admire their work to, to kind of hear this other side talk of personal life. It's, it's why I really enjoy anytime Matt has me on the show and listening to, to Matt's show. I think there's, there's something extra that I like that is special about this type of conversation. Football is fantastic. This stuff's unique and you don't always get to hear it. So thanks right. for sharing that. Yeah. And, and he, this is your moment. I mean, we're going to wrap the show up here. This is, is there anything you want to, you want to, pub i mean a lot of people know you i mean yeah. you're kind of a big deal but you're probably not going to catch any any uh new followers or people that, you know they're if they're if they're listening to this they're probably already they know you know, who you are. Heath Cummings. yeah 
You know, you'd be surprised how many people don't know me. <laughs> it's a, a, a lot more than do. No, I already talked about like the dynasty stuff. And I would just say that um, I think what Scott Fish has done Yes. with fantasy cares and one of the like one of the greatest joys i've had in this job is doing i get to do the south florida shopping trip for toys for tots every year we had five thousand dollars two years ago we had ten thousand dollars this year i did it with kenny from roto where um if you can find a way to be a part of that whether you get into the scott fish bowl or not just to contribute to the the general generosity that I know John Bosch does the fantasy cares eliminators. And I, I think I filled 10 of those last year and I'm I'm hoping to double that this year where people can play an eliminator league with me. There's, there's so many different ways that you can contribute to the causes. And it makes me like every once in a while, I do think about the fact that we, my jobs kind of make believe Um, I talk on the internet about a game that we made up that is based on another game that adults play and I get paid to do that. And so I think any way that I can, we can use that to actually create something that's real and good yeah. while we have fun and do this is beneficial. Yeah. We, we talked about that off air. Garrett and I, <laughs> did you get your invite yet? Have you been like, it, it is the hot topic right now. I'm assuming yeah. you're in, in this year's Scott Fish Bowl. I, I, yes, I believe I am. Gotcha. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. I mean, I'm looking through your tweets. You didn't. You didn't put it on Twitter, so I don't know if it's official. official well, I felt like I, everyone else did. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, fantastic. So it is just a wonderful feeling, wonderful community, and yeah, it's a it's a great event. I, you mean, so much good. Yes, it's so awesome. much good stuff. And then like just the competition. Like if you like playing fantasy football and you'd like to do something good with it, like this is good competitive fantasy football most of the time, uh, and you're gonna feel great doing it. Well, Heath, thank you so much for coming on, taking time out of your, I'm sure you're busy with, with everything that you're doing. So thank you so much for coming on. You can find him at, on Twitter at Heath Cummings Senior and at CBS Sports. All of his stuff's over. If you're interested in this barbecue and beer, he has his own Instagram page. Make sure to check it out. Heath, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. The Dynasty Dads are brought to you by DynastyTradeCalculator.com. Stop guessing. Start calculating. We're out. Thanks for hanging out with us on another episode of the Dynasty Dads podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Dads.